would you pray with me? God, we do ask that you'd pour your spirit out on us, that God, you'd wake up your city, that you'd wake up your church, that God, we would realize that we are your very hands and feet in this world. So God, help us to represent you well. God, today I pray that you would allow us to hear straight from you. That God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would allow it to penetrate, that you would allow it to hit our hearts exactly where it needs to hit. So change us, Father, in your midst as we seek after you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, folks. Well, first off, I have to start by saying thank you. Because it is December 26th, and you chose to go to church. Way to go, everybody. I also want to say way to go to those joining us online who are sitting home right now, drinking your coffee, eating your donuts, and everything else. We are thrilled that you are here today. Because as we enter into 2022, I believe that there is so much potential. Have you ever heard those words before, you have potential? I heard those words when I was just 12 years old because I tried out for a middle school play. And would you know it, I actually got a part in the middle school play. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't a main part. It was just a very bit part in the play. And it's kind of interesting because my job was, it was in the play called Up the Down Staircase. And my job was to come out and to give the school announcements. Now, I never knew that it would be prophetic as to what I would do in working at Sagebrush. <laughs> but my part was absolutely unmemorable. I mean, I only had about six lines through the whole entire play, but I was determined to make the absolute most of those six lines. So I remember one day when I was rehearsing and rehearsal in front of the students and everything else, I got up to give my announcements and I screamed the announcements at the top of my lungs. And everybody who was watching got really excited and they started laughing so hard. And from then on, every time I got up to give my lines, I screamed my lines as loud as I could. I worked out all of my middle school angst in that one moment. And even the night of the big play, I did the same thing. And the whole house just laughed and it was so funny. In fact, afterwards, my drama teacher came up to me and he said, Oh kid, you're going somewhere. I mean, man, you've got lots and lots of potential. And those were words that I longed to hear. Because when I was in middle school, I was just an awkward kid. I was shorter than everyone else. I struggled to fit in all the time. And just having someone who believed in me was very important. And in fact, the play Up the Down Staircase is all about students finding their potential. In fact, there's this teacher that goes into the inner city with some of the roughest of kids. And she looks past their rough exterior, believing that they can accomplish their dreams. And she pours into them. She develops a relationship. And many of them begin to move past their circumstances into the life that they always wanted. And isn't that what you and I have always wanted? I mean, we've always wanted somebody who will believe in us. Somebody who will cheer us along. Somebody who sees past our rough exterior, believing that there's more in us. That's why I believe having a relationship with God is so important. Because God looks past all those things. He looks past our exterior believing that there's more in us. 
And I believe God wants us to arrive at our full potential. And I believe one of the most best and tragic stories all about potential is found in the story in the Old Testament of Saul. Now you might remember Saul because he was the first king of Israel. Let me catch you up on the story as to what was happening during that time. Because when Saul was growing up, it was during the time of Judges. Now during the time of Judges, there was great uncertainty in the land. I mean, they were constantly being invaded. Then God would raise up a judge to deliver them. Now, the judges were actually military leaders who governed the people. You might remember Samson and Deborah. And later, it's Samuel who's a judge. Now, Samuel is an interesting judge during the time of Saul. Because Samuel is leading, and he is not only the military leader, but he's actually the spiritual leader. He's actually a prophet who speaks on behalf of God. And so he's ruling, he's reigning, everything is going well. And then finally, the people come to Samuel and they say, we're tired of this type of leadership. We don't want this type of leadership anymore. We want you to give us a king. Now, this actually hurts Samuel's feelings. I mean, because he's sad that they've rejected him as king. So he takes his concerns to God. And God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, don't worry about this. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. But if this is what they really want, I want you to do this. I want you to go to the people and I want you to warn them. I want you to warn them as to how hard it's really going to be if they have a king. That this king will take much of their possessions, much of their property. In fact, some of their children, he's going to take and he's going to use them in his own service. But God says, if that's what they really want, go ahead and do it. So Samuel goes back to the people and he warns them. And sure enough, they say, no, we want a king. We want to be like all the other nations. And so Samuel does it. God chooses Saul to be the first king of Israel. Now think about that as an opportunity. You have the opportunity to be the very first king of Israel. It is a chance of a lifetime. And Saul at this point doesn't really know it yet. That's where we pick up in the story. Because uh, Saul is actually on a small mission for his father. His father has lost his donkeys. So Saul is going out and he's looking for all the donkeys everywhere. And he can't find them. So finally he looks to his servant and he says, Hey, why don't we go to the prophet Samuel to find out where our donkeys really are. Well, what Saul doesn't know is that God has spoken to Samuel the day before. And he's about to get much more than he ever bargained for. Here's where we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 9, and it's verse number 15. It says this. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. So here's Saul, right? And he sees, uh, he comes into the town. And Samuel sees him from far off. And God says, this is the guy. This is the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes over to him. And he invites him over for dinner. And after he invites him over to dinner, he says these words. 
And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you, and to your father's family? I love this. Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why? Why do you say such a thing to me? So uh, Saul is stating the obvious here. He says, but wait, hang on. Uh, Samuel, you got the wrong tribe. I'm a Benjamite. I mean, I am from the smallest of small tribes. And that was true. Just years earlier, all the tribes of Israel had turned on the Benjamites. And they had killed all but 600 men from the Benjamite clan. They didn't have many people left. So Saul is just stating the obvious. He's saying, man, I am from the smallest tribe. How could we lead the entire tribe's of Israel. He's just stating the obvious, but he has excuses, doesn't he? And we're no different. God oftentimes gives us great opportunities. And what are we filled with? We're filled with excuses. We say, God, oh no, I'm just not an outgoing person. I'm introverted, God. I could never go out. God, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. You don't want to use me. Or we say, God, I'm not tall. I'm not big, you know. I am not the typical person that other people are looking to bring this message. Or we say, I'm not from a good family. My family background was bad and everything else. Or we just plain say, I'm not ready. Well, you might not realize it, but the Bible is filled with people who all had excuses. Remember? Moses had the excuse to say, I can't speak well enough. Gideon had the excuse to say, I'm not strong enough. Jeremiah thought that he was just flat too young. Peter was a loud mouth. And he was also very impulsive. Paul was a guy who had a past. He had a hard time overcoming that past. But each one of these central characters in the Bible got over all of their excuses to find the opportunity of a lifetime. And Saul needed to find that opportunity of a lifetime. And Samuel wants to help him. So we find in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse number 1, here's what it says. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head. And he kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? So Samuel anoints Saul as the first king of Israel. And then he says this is a promise. He says, Saul, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you so you can accomplish these things. Don't you love this? Because where God guides, he also provides. I mean, that was good. You might want to write that one down, okay? Where God guides, he also provides. You see, where God pushes us out, he doesn't just leave us on our own. He helps us along. And that's what he wants to do for Saul. So he promises that the Spirit is going to come upon him. That's what I love about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. He leads us, he counsels us, and he even convicts us. And I believe that all followers of Christ, everyone who's a Christian, has been given the Holy Spirit. And Saul has been given that same Holy Spirit. I love what it says in verse number 9. It says this, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him 
the Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he joined in their prophesying. See, where does it start? It starts by saying that God changed Saul's heart. And that is where it has to begin for all of us. If you want to arrive at your true potential, I believe God has to change your heart first. Samuel has promised that all these things will come together, that he's going to see these different things happen, and then God is going to pour his spirit into Saul's heart. And so the spirit comes upon Saul, and he begins prophesying. He begins being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's remember, back in the Old Testament, it was different because Jesus had not yet come. And so the Holy Spirit back during the Old Testament would come upon people and then he would go. He would come upon people and he used that uh, to help them to write much of what we have in the Bible. Or he used it to speak to the people through the prophets. Or he used it to just give them amazing power, amazing strength so that they could do these superhuman feats. When God's Spirit came down, incredible things happened. And the same is true when you and I enter into a relationship with God. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And do you know what happens? He changes our heart on the inside. He gives us these new desires that are inside of us. Now we want to be close to God. We long to read the Bible. We long to go to church. We long to be with other people who believe the same thing. We long to share Jesus with others. Where's that from? That's from the Holy Spirit living inside of us. It changes us. It's like when you first fall in love with that man or that woman of your dreams. Over 20 years ago, I fell in love with this girl named Laura. She's now my wife. But when we fell in love, I was changed. I was a different man. I started showering more. I started wearing deodorant. Occasionally, I'd put a Tic Tac in my mouth. No one had to tell me to spend time with Laura. It, it just came very naturally. I just wanted to spend every waking moment with her. Why? Because my heart was changed. I was in love. And the same is true in our relationship with God. Once you into a enter into a relationship with God, he changes you. Gives you this desire to be close to him. You want to be near to him and you understand that you on your own, are not powerful enough to go after this world. You need his strength. You need his spirit. So you respond very humbly. You respond very humbly to that moment. And that's exactly how Saul responds at first. He responds very humbly to the power of God. And we see that humility on his coronation day. Because Samuel brings all of the tribes of Israel together. He brings them all together to choose the next king. But before he chooses the next king, Samuel has a word for the people. He wants to remind them first that they have rejected God as their true king. And so he shares these scathing words for the people, which weren't really the words you want to hear on your coronation day. But Samuel uses it as an opportunity to put the people in their place. And after he does that, he begins to divide all of the tribes. And as the story goes along, it says in verse number 21 this. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. And Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. 
But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he is hiding, he has hidden himself among the baggage. This is so funny to me. Because here is Saul on his coronation day, and what is he doing? He is hiding in the luggage. He is scared to death. And why is he hiding? Well, probably because he just heard these scathing words from Samuel. But also, I think some preachers, some pastors give Saul a hard time here. But I see this as an incredibly humble moment for Saul. He could have responded with arrogance and pride, right? He could have come out of that baggage and said, here I am, the king of Israel. But what is he doing? He's responding with this rare form of humility. He's responding humbly at this opportunity. And the people are excited in this moment. So they run over to see Saul. And here is what it says. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the people. And the people shouted, long live the king. So Saul comes out of all the baggage and he stands up. And the people notice something very quickly. He is incredibly tall. The Bible says that he is a head taller than everyone else. He is head and shoulders above the whole entire crowd. And this is interesting. Because this was the king that they were looking for. On the outside, Saul had it all together. He was tall. You know that there's been leadership studies done to find that many of the best leaders have been tall people. In fact, the average height of a U.S. president is 5 foot 11. That's just the average. That's 5 inches taller than the average U.S. male. As well as every CEO of companies is generally Pretty tall, very tall, which means for me, there is no chance for me being president or the CEO of a company. I'll settle for being a pastor. But usually, right, that leader is tall. They're bigger than everybody else. They can command a room. And that's exactly who Saul was. He was the natural leader. Everybody looked at him and they didn't know his heart. They didn't know what was going on on the inside but they say the words, long live the king. They're ready, just by his outward appearance, to put him into that place. Now Saul has started off very good at this point. He's following God's lead, but he's about to be challenged. You see, the Ammonites, who were enemies of the Jews for a long, long time, hear about Saul becoming the king. And so they invade the land of Israel, and they surround Jabesh-Gilead. And it's this small little town that they surround and they almost conquer. But before they conquer the city, they give the people two options. They say this, either you can surrender to us or we're going to come in and we're going to kill everyone. But if you surrender to us, here's the terms of the surrender. First, you have to be subservient to us for the rest of your life and Every male in the city has to gouge out their right eye. <laughs> now, the people of Jabesh Gilead asked for a few days to think about it. Now, personally, I don't need a few days to think about that one. But I guess they did. 
No, what they were actually doing is they were actually trying to, to stall in this moment. They were trying to send a message to the new king to see if the new king of Israel would rescue them from the oppression of the Ammonites. And so they send this message to King Saul. And when Saul gets the message, here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6. It says, when Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he burned with anger. And I love that, because Saul hears what's happened. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord again comes upon him, and he burns with anger. Saul knows that he has to do something about this situation. And God was going to use Saul as an instrument to make it happen. So here he is in that moment, and he is plowing his own field with two oxen. The Bible says that he takes those two oxen, and he cuts them up into pieces. Then he takes the pieces of the oxen, and he sends it out to all the tribes of Israel. And he says, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't show up to battle. Gross. So all the people hear this message. They hear this warning. And 325,000 warriors show up in battle. And they completely destroy the enemies of Israel. They annihilate the Ammonites. And everyone in Jabesh Gilead got to keep both of their eyes. Now Saul at this point is doing so well. He's following after God. He's making sure that God is working and moving. And he even celebrates that God was the one to rescue the people. You see, when the Spirit is leading you and you're following his lead, you are more concerned with God's bigger story rather than your own personal status. Now, this is an important one because Saul understands that it's not by his own strength, not by his own power that he was delivered from the enemies. He understood that it was God. It was God as the one who was rescuing the people. It was God who was using him. And he even encourages all the people to celebrate that God had done that for them. You see, Saul is more concerned with God's bigger story than his own. And that's what we have to do. We have to be more concerned with God's story rather than our own. But that's contrary to everything that this world says, isn't it? Because this world says that life is about you. I mean, social media is all about you. Everything and every product that's sold is marketed as you as the center of the universe, right? But God offers something different. Because he knows that when you live a life that's self-centered, it will never fill you up. So God's plan is different. He gives us this invitation into a journey. To be about something that's much bigger. You see, we have the opportunity to be about his story in this world. And I love that. Because we may not be a major character. We may just have a very bit part. Our job is to make Jesus known by what we say and what we do. And just like in my middle school drama, our job is to be both loud and clear. That's the way we have to be in this world that's all around us. And Saul, at the beginning, he gets this right. He started so well. But with great power, as we know, also comes great responsibility. And so Samuel wants to make sure that the king is set up for success. 
So he wants to make sure that he sets him up to do the right thing. So at the end of Samuel's reign as judge, as they're transitioning power, Samuel has one final speech, both to King Saul and also to the people of Israel. And here's what he says in first, uh, chapter 12, verse number 13. It says this, Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. So through Samuel, he speaks to Saul and he speaks to the people. And he says first the key words, if you, if you. He's saying to the king, if you follow God, if you continue to be filled with the spirit, things will go well, not just for you as a king, Saul, but also for the people. And for the people, if you obey the king that you set up, and if you obey the commandments and you follow after God, things will go well for the entire community. But he gives this caution. If you turn against God, if you don't follow through with your end of the bargain, God's very hand will be against you. And that's cautionary for all the people. That's cautionary for the king as well. That if they do the right thing and they continue to walk with God, led by the Spirit, that blessings were going to flow. And Samuel wants them to get this well. So at the very end of the speech, he reiterates this one more time. And he says this, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. I love that because where does it say they should fear and serve the Lord from? It says they should fear him from their heart. See, this is important because at the very center of their being, God was asking them to make a cognitive, spiritual, and an emotional decision to follow him. He was saying, man, with everything that you have, you need to follow after me. This <laughs> is interesting to me because the people had asked for an earthly king. But what's God saying in this moment? He's saying, I want to be the king of your heart. You may have an earthly king that you follow, but make no mistake, there is a king who reigns over the universe. There is a king who has absolute power and absolute authority, and that king wants to reign in your heart. You might have got this earthly king, but don't miss this, Israelites. There's a God who wants to rule and reign inside of you. Now, at the very beginning, Saul gets this right. He is on the right path. He is following after God, and he is led by the Spirit. But you might say, great story, Andrew. What does this really have to do with my life, though? I mean, what does this really have to do with my day-to-day -day life and everything else? Well, I believe as we enter into 2022, we have absolute potential. I believe God has given us an incredible opportunity to be in relationship with him. The God of the universe, he wants to be close to us. He wants us to know that he believes in us. 
He wants to cheer us along. He wants to walk with us no matter what we face. And that same God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill us with the strength. Even when we're the only one in the room believing what we believe. He wants to give us the strength to stand up. I believe he wants to use us with the words to speak at the right time. When you're the only one at work. Or you're the only one at school who believes in God. I believe that he wants to give us the power as fathers to lead our family the right way. He wants to fill us with the spirit so that we can raise up spiritual champions who change this world. I believe God wants to help us to do incredible things through the power that's offered in the Holy Spirit. And I believe the path to remain walking with him is through obedience. Just like the Israelites knew. The path to stay close to God, the path of blessing, was through obedience. Now, God wasn't promising that everything was just going to be rainbows and butterflies, right? But he was promising that he was going to be with them. No matter what they faced, they could know that God was with them no matter what. That they could have peace both with God and with other people. And that's what God was offering to King Saul. And I believe that's what God offers to every single one of us. Now Saul has started out so well. But it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. Saul starts so well, but what we have to understand is walking with God isn't just a battle that you win or a quick prayer that you pray. It's truly a marathon. It takes hard work and effort to maintain that. And what we find is while Saul started so well, he gets off track so quickly. And so next week, we're going to talk about how he gets off track. And we're going to talk about that finish line that we're all headed towards. So I hope that you'll be back next week to hear that message. But until that time, I would encourage you to do a number of different things. I would, I would encourage you to understand you've been given the opportunity of a, a lifetime to be in relationship with God. Allow him this next year and even right now to fill you up with the power that's offered in the Holy Spirit and then walk daily in obedience to him. And I believe if you do that, you'll arrive at your true potential. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this message that's straight from your word. God, these aren't my words. This is what you put in the Old Testament for all of us. So, Father, I pray in that same way that, Lord, we look to you for strength as we walk into this coming year. I know, God, that there's so many who are overwhelmed by their circumstances. There's so many hard things that they've been going through. And, God, they might have had so many excuses for not serving you, for not reaching out, for not doing something big for you. God, I pray that they'd get over their excuses in this coming year. That, God, they'd be all in for the opportunities that you have laid before them. God, I pray that they would see you. Not as a judgmental God full of condemnation, but a God who loves them. A God who gave every for, everything for them. And so, God, I pray even today that they might make decisions in following you and getting serious about your bigger story. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.